What's your favorite? Don't. God, that's awful. Favorite? Awful. Awful. Your favorite film is awful. Hello, and welcome to Your Favourite Film is Awful, the weekly podcast where we invite guests on to defend their favourite films against negative reviews. As always, I'm Luke, the tightly sprung coil that really just wants to spring out and exude all that energy, but, but can't because I've got I've to gotta stay calm because I can't touch any of these wires, otherwise it just sounds awful. <laughs> okay, and it's real bad. This one's not just got on today. <laughs> <laughs> and with me, as always, it is Charlie. How you doing, Charlie? I'm magic, mate. How about yourself? Are you good? I'm I'm good apart from the whole spring of energy yeah, thing, yeah. especially because I, I did it. some like exercises yesterday, and parts of my body hurt. You did so exercise? I did, and it was a fuck. It was weird. <laughs> I didn't really. I'm not, sure <laughs> like it was, I'm not sure if it's for me to be honest mm. with it. Maybe I just shouldn't. Yeah. I, I was had a really long run of like not doing anything. Yeah. Just but like people get upset because then you gain a lot of weight. And it's like, <laughs> oh, bad times for me. But, uh, but yeah, I did it. That's good. Anyway. Do you have a guest? I do have a guest. Can you introduce that guest for me, please? And introduce for the listener, please, as well. Oh, introduce, introduce the for guest. The okay. Yeah. <laughs> for everyone. The guest we have today, right, is a VFX artist called Aoife. Say hello. Hello. Hello, Aoife. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, apart from the whole spring call thing. Understandable. <laughs> what have you been up to? What have I been up to? Yeah, what um, have you been up to this week? Just you... lots of uni work, really. I'm writing a paper at the moment on Pocahontas and hmm. how it's a bit problematic. Is it? How? Um, there are certain things that happen that don't happen in real life. Oh, I've heard mm. actually a few. Um, yeah, when you look at the real the real story of Pocahontas and then what they actually do with the film, yeah, it's, it's not great. You're, you're saying that they don't part at the end of the film and have this nice shots at the end? Oh yeah, they do all that, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and Charlie, what have you been up to this week? What have I been, oh mate, I've had a fucking great week for films. A great week. We'll, we'll finish with the great one. But I started off with, I watched Birds of Prey. Oh, I was, I've watched that as well. Really enjoyed it. It was good fun. Probably, I don't know where I'd rank it in the, in the new DCU, but one of the, because I really like Aquaman, don't I? But it's better than Aquaman, like, but I like Aquaman. So I just got a soft spot for Aquaman. I'm aware of what it is, but you know, yeah, I enjoy it. But anyway, but no, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Really good fun. Also watched Snake Eyes. Which is a Nicolas Cage movie. Oh, um, I love a bit of Cage. Another bit of Cage. Okay. Yep. Uh, directed by Brian De Palma, and it's about a like a sort of a dodgy cop type guy who goes to a boxing uh, match, and uh, while he's there, like a some sort of political figure is assassinated in the boxing arena, and they have to shut off the boxing arena, and basically he has to try and investigate and figure out who did it, who's involved. Okay. Really good. Yeah. Um, can I just ask a real quick question before we move on to the next film? How come Snake Eyes got a plot synopsis, but Birds of Prey was just like, yeah, I enjoyed it? That's a very good point. I was going to give it a synopsis, but then I thought, well, everyone's aware of it because it's coming out. Do you know what I mean? Not that. Do you know what I mean? Everyone knows okay. what it is. And I don't want to ruin And no stuff. one knows about Snake Eyes? No, not that. It's just more like it's a discovery. You know, not it's not in the zeitgeist right now, is it? Okay. okay. So I thought, well, I can give you a plot synopsis. No, no, no. No. Okay. The moment passed. What's okay, this yeah. next film? The next one was my favourite of the week. Oh. Directed by Michael Mann. I watched Collateral, starring Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx. In a fucking great fucking movie. Let's put it that way. It was uh, 
it's essentially about a taxi driver um, played by Jamie Foxx who picks up Tom Cruise, who is like an assassin. And he gets him to drive him around to basically kill people. But he, he's not aware of that because he's just driving a guy to the different houses. But one of the bodies falls out of the window and lands on his taxi. And now he knows too much. And it, it's this great back and forth between Jamie Foxx, who's this kind of... He can't stand up for himself. One of those kind of people. Um, and along the way, they have this weird kind of friendship, but also not... It's just... There's a lot going on. I fucking loved it. It's really good. I don't want to say too much because I think it's it's just a great movie. Really, really enjoyed that. But Luke, what have you been up to, mate? Okay. So this week, uh, I'll do the same as you. I'll go yeah. least favourite to most favourite. Not that, that doesn't mean no, I dislike Birds of Prey. I really liked I, it. I never said that. The others were so good. So... Um, my least favorite, but favorite still in there. So take that as you will. Was Underwater with Kristen oh, Stewart. Oh, to see that. So the interesting thing for me is I only saw like the first, let's say, minute of the trailers. So I went in expecting a underwater gravity with Sandra Bullock where she's lost in space, mm. um, and I wasn't expecting an underwater alien. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, Alien. Yeah. So it's, yeah. That's it's, high it's, praise. Or do you mean just like in conceptually? Oh, no. I, I mean conceptually. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to say. Yeah. Well, no, it, it gets pretty tense. I missed the very beginning because there was like no trailers for some reason. But from what I saw, because I, I only missed like maybe the first five minutes or so, mm. it starts very nicely. It's like a bit building or whatever. The bit in the trailer where she's like changing or something and then she goes to the droplets of water Hmm. Uh, and then from there shit hits the fan and it's great okay i enjoyed it a lot i feel like i missed maybe i missed a little bit here and there but otherwise it was good fun it was a good like solid movie going experience it was nice how was your fear of uh drowning the whole Um, time fucking awful (laughs) because they go out into the bottom of the ocean and i was like oh i would die i would die so fucking hard and like at the very beginning when shit starts hitting the fan like ah no not for me not for me at all but it was good (laughs) would you uh say that you was more scared than when you was watching crawl because you were pretty freaked out about that as well weren't you i'd say similar Mm. maybe i don't know yeah it's hard to maybe an interesting double bill actually potentially Mm. But yeah, so I watched that. I also watched Uncut Gems. <gasps> yes. Which, yeah, as, as I'm sure the listener just yes. heard, you just fucking jizzed yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I'm going to cut. <laughs> I <laughs> thought it was very slow to begin with. Um, it t- You roll your eyes, Uh-oh. but I, di- I didn't get into it immediately. Uh-oh. Like, I'm just like, no. But by the end, I was, in- I was invested. I was thrilled. It was good. But yeah, it, you you even said before that like the style, if you don't, it can be very Marmite. So yeah, it took time for it to work into me to be yeah. like, yes, this is very thrilling. But overall, I enjoyed it. It was good. And then the last is Birds of Prey. I watched Birds yes. of Prey as well. That one I put slightly higher just because it's a completely different film <laughs> than the other. There was no stress. Mm. It was just, an, it was a good movie sitting there watching the film experience the action is really fun. Margot like, Robbie's so Margot good. Margot Robbie's though. so fucking good. She's such a good fucking actress. Uh, I would say... And McGregor. <laughs> uh, yes, they're fucking... Oh, it's great. I would say to the listener, if they haven't seen it yet, go into it expecting a Harley Quinn film first. Mm. 
and then Birds of Prey's like secondary objective. Mm. Just because some people, if they know the source material, may be going into this expecting a Birds of Prey film. Um, and it's more of a Birds of Prey origin. Mm. Just so you're aware. And that was my week. It was a nice week. I watched three films. Aren't you proud? I'm very proud. I and you watched Uncut Gems. I'm and very... I watched Uncut Gems. Yeah. Man. I'm surprised you found changing. it slow at the start, because I find it a movie that just keeps going and stressing me out constantly the whole time <laughs> and doesn't break and uh, for other than small pauses. But, no, interesting. What's the worst thing someone could say about Uncut Gems for you? The worst thing yeah. someone could say? I don't know. That it's boring. So I'm just like, even if you didn't like it, I don't think it's boring. I don't think you could say it's boring. That, so I think that would be like, how could you? But, you know, everyone's opinions yeah, are different. Everyone's so. got different opinions. As some people think podcast. films are brilliant. Some people think films are awful. Mm. Hey, Ether, <laughs> you've come on to your favourite film is awful. What film have you brought? So, we are doing Children of the Men. Children of Men. Okay. And for those at home who either haven't seen it or haven't seen it recently... What would you say was like a general synopsis for the film? So a pregnant lady tries to get on a boat for two hours. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Done. Done. (laughs) Now that sounds like a comedy. (laughs) It is. (laughs) Are we watching different films? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's comedy. Every time she like tries to step on the boat, just (laughs) it's like, never mind, never mind. I mean, we never actually see her get on the boat, so she really got on the boat at all. Ooh, questions. Questions. Uh, no, in all seriousness, it's a near future film where the fertility rate around the world has just completely collapsed and there are no more babies. And we follow the protagonist as he finds out that someone is actually pregnant and tries to protect them, essentially. Yeah, wicked. Yeah, that's, yeah, sums it up very nicely. Saving the future of humanity, I guess. Yeah. You'd hope. You'd, well, yeah. Well, like Clive says, you know, could already be fucked before you know, it happened. Clive Owen. The shadow of Clive Owen. The shadow of Clive Owen. Clive Owen himself, not not the character in the movie. No, no, no. no. (laughs) I don't think he needs the shout-out, though, in in all fairness. Mm. He might be ever so slightly more popular than this podcast. Really? Just just ever so slightly. I'm not so sure about that one. I I don't think so. No, no. (laughs) Oh, well, good. (laughs) (laughs) However, I've got to say, with that plot synopsis, you did sum up pretty well but you did miss a, a small, tiny um, detail, and that is the fact that it's fucking awful. <laughs> it is the worst film. It is worthy of zero out of ten. Zero. Nothing. Nada. Zero. Marty H. This was a truly awful film. What a waste of nearly two hours. The film ends as abruptly as it started and left so many things unanswered. It made me wonder what the point was in sitting through such doom and gloom. There is no genius in this film at all, despite what others may say. I would not even give it one star. Your time would be better spent watching paint dry. You have been warned. Discuss? (laughs) Yes. uh... Well, um, first of all, I think... Any film that gets labelled or adapted from dystopia can't exactly be expected to have a happy ending. Yeah. Or even even just happiness in general. Yeah. Not that the film doesn't have comedic moments. It definitely has some more light-hearted stuff. Hmm. But if you come into this film knowing anything about it, 
I don't think it's wise to assume that it's it's going to be cheery. I agree. Also, I think to say it's not genius is fucking blasphemy. Even if uh, even if you don't like necessarily like the story, I think the way the film's constructed is incredible. I think there's 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 so many things in it that are just there's decisions that I don't think anyone else would have made other than Afonso Cuarón. Where the fact that he decides to shoot a lot of the movie in these long takes mm-hmm. really adds to the one. I think the pacing is like flies by. Two, I think you need it for the the constant on your toes feel that the movie has in terms of like it's it's non-stop there's one thing happens and another thing happens and the next minute you know the baby's about to be born and they have to get her to you know this this area before they get noticed you know what i mean it's like constant tension and i think he decided to shoot it in the perfect way for that story yeah and i think even if you don't like that's the story i think you you've got to at least have appreciation for that I think of course yeah and I think the way with the handheld effect like you have no choice but to be a part of it yeah and feel like you're there watching it like um on the bit where they the gun the gunfight is happening in the refugee camp and you go through the bus and someone gets shot and all of a sudden there's these blood flecks on the camera yeah that is insane. Yeah, it's mental. That is insane. And it takes you like right out of like spectator mode and you feel like you're actually there yeah. experiencing it. Um, Almost like a documentary. Yeah, because it taints the whole view as well. Like you, it obscures stuff in the film. No, definitely. You, do, you don't see that a lot in films in general. No, you really don't. And I feel like I just, uh, the, the, whole, the whole thing of like showing stuff in the background as well, it does feel like the camera's a person that's captured do you know what I'm saying? That's captured this uh, this event. Sorry, he's, you're smiling. No, <laughs> in my head, I was like, someone's watched the Nerdwriter video. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I meant that like legit in terms of, I mean, in the Nerdwriter video, he talks about how the camera will show you things that the characters are missing mm. as well, which I think adds this extra layer to, to the world. But my point's more on the fact that I think it's really interesting that it, it chooses to reveal these big moments in the background or out of focus um, like, for example, the scene with Michael Caine is telling the rest of the um, people about Clive Owen's son, Dylan, how it basically passed away and the tragedy they, they went through and how they, uh, uh, Clive Owen, and, I can't remember his character, the character's name, which is not good, is it? And Theo. Theo. And Theo and uh, uh, Julian, is that right? Met and fell in love and what split them apart. And it's it's just such a perfect way to shoot it because you you have this close-up of Theo whilst you're hearing all this information and you're you're f- feeling it and i think that's what's important is like i know i usually say you know if the first first thing you say when you walk out of a movie is the film's beautifully shot then it's a shit movie but I, i'm not necessarily talking about the fact that it's beautifully shot because it is beautifully shot we'll get to that but it's more how it's constructed and how he creates a feeling and creates tension because that's what filmmaking is and i feel like this movie squeezes every bit of feeling and tension it possibly can through the way it's constructed. Yeah. Like you have no choice but to look away. And and like the fact that there are hardly any cuts in the film means that you are so much a part of their journey that when the tension does build, you're like, you feel um, mm-hmm. exactly what they're feeling. You feel like the adrenaline kind of coursing through your veins and you're like, oh my God, they have to get out of this situation. And you're scared for them what's there scared as well is a very good way of getting the audience to, to mimic 
the emotions of the characters themselves. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. Like you're in the car with them. Yeah. Like it's yeah. weird. Like it's like you are the camera yeah. in a weird way. And and even the way it like pans across to other characters, it, it mimics the way you turn your head. No, I agree. And I think for me, like sometimes I can find one takes a bit sort of what's the word like sort of showing off a bit. Pretentious. Yeah, kind of like in terms yeah. of like that. You're doing it just to sh- show you can, yeah. yeah, show you can sort of thing. But I genuinely think this is for the purpose of the mm. film to create this feeling. It's not just there to, like we said, for a, star- a stylistic point mm. of view. I mean, that is also an element of that, but I do think it is there to engross you, like we said. And it's interesting because I think as much as this is an Alfonso Cuarón film, it also feels very much like Emmanuel Lubetsky film. Like when I'm watching it now, and you know, in terms of seeing what he's done since like something like the revenant he's got such a distinct shooting style that you can recognize him as well and i kept thinking about that the whole way because i hadn't seen this film in a while like I, yeah i haven't seen this film in years so to go back to it and still find that it was just as great as i remembered was uh was really good in that review so he said about he didn't really know what the point was or, or mm. and stuff like that yeah and uh for me i don't know when i was watching it i kept thinking wow some of this uh <laughs> feels quite relevant still it's very prescient isn't it? yeah yeah, yeah. I do what was weird to look at was uh, the fact that the I remember the buses with the moving advertisements. They weren't a thing then in 2006. We have them now. Mm-hmm. And I was watching it like, that's kind of weird because that's a thing now. Like the way it's like, it is still like a, it's not a, a clip, but mm-hmm. it's like a, like a motion graphics type yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, that's kind of weird to see. Um, do you agree with that as well? Like, in terms yeah, of- definitely. It, it adds to the point of how prescient it is that nothing in it is too far flung. Mm. Even though when it was released twenty two thousand six, but it's set in twenty three seven, that's still quite a gap. Mm. It's still a gap of about twenty one years, but it gets it spot on in terms of the advancements. Like, it doesn't overestimate. I agree. Yeah, by any means. And when you when you go for dystopias and sci fi, there's a tendency. To flying skew, cars and stuff. Yeah, yeah, to skew towards like really um, heavy kind of revolutionization. Is that mm. a word? Yeah. What I find very interesting about what you've both said is you've kind of focused on the advancements of like moving pictures on buses and stuff and not the very obvious um, Brexit. Like the fact that yeah. the, the majority of this film is like, oh yeah, we've stopped everything with immigration, immigration and stuff yeah. and now we're going to put everyone in cages and right now we're like cool we don't want foreigners in our country anymore so this this could literally be our future in was it seven years now <laughs> it's crazy i mean when you talk about some of the practices they employ the practices are employed like right now yeah. it wasn't yeah. um trump put in when he was separating he was put in, yes. so he was America has literally done yep. children of men yep. <laughs> apart from the whole infertility thing. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you say that because the first time I ever watched The Children of Men, I remember a couple of years later, I was scrolling through Twitter and I came across an article that talks about declining fertility rates in Europe. Really? And it it's actually really bad. Like, it's got to the stage where the fertility rates aren't replenishable for most European countries because they've dropped that dramatically in the past few decades. Really? Um, and a lot of people were making the link between that and The Handmaid's Tale because it, it's got a similar kind of tangent about how it gets there. But it's the same thing for the children of men, really. Yeah. Um, and it's not one of those situations of they're just 
there's more people now, so there's more. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. They've so actually it, calculated it, it, in the article, but... it even says like we'd be living in societies, or we're heading towards societies where we have more grandparents and grandchildren. Because um, the replenishment rate, the the rate you need to to sustain your current level of population, isn't there? So balancing the universe is that so was that about <laughs> infertility or was that just about people <laughs> not having as, as many kids as they used to have because i remember i was having a conversation with somebody like i think yesterday or the day before about how back in the day two parents will have like 10 children mm. because only three of them will survive mm. and nowadays like okay i'm only gonna have five children um oh shit all five survived mm-hmm. and especially nowadays i know a lot of people like have no um, intention of having children because it's like why would i bring another life into this because of course the future that we're looking towards in a pessimistic light isn't going to be a great one for for little children for, mm. for the little ones <laughs> so was that about biology or was that mentality i think it was in reference to, to male fertility rates actually so yeah. it did oh. have a biological aspect to it which is why yeah. people were making the hammer star connections because obviously that's yeah, of course. that's super interesting mm. yeah it's so bizarre ah well anyway i've already shared like well basically every time we talk about the future from the very pessimistic one is like oh yeah so the future's gonna be like her <laughs> gonna be like terminator <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's ai is gonna kill us the planet's gonna kill us we're gonna kill us. Mm. Something's. We're not surviving. Is is no. the bottom line most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> so the next review I have is from Bob McLean. It is a rating of offensive. 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 After reading the previous reviews, I figured I'd either love it or hate it. I hated it. I have not been so bored in years. The snack bar was more interesting. (laughs) Poor storyline. Too many fucks. Way too many. (laughs) I think it just means that the curse word was used too many times. But if you don't have a story, maybe swearing will help. Then call it art. I think that's just British people. We just we just swear a lot. Michael Caine's talent is totally wasted in this film. If you've lived in both Europe and in the US, you may understand the dichotomy of hopelessness lived out in the undercurrent of Europe among the non-Christian and the utter childishness of the American answer to that. Pollyannism. Pollyannaism. Pollyannaism? Is that, what is it, is that polyam? No, it's not the same. same thing. That's not the same yeah, thing. Say, like, um, very much yeah, not very the same different. thing. Very different, yeah. <laughs> but that's what I was, if they were it poly- would have made some sort of sense. Polyamory would have solved children in pain. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, <laughs> I don't think that's a word. Pollyanna. Yeah, but he spelled it wrong. It's Pollyannaism. But if you've mm. ever seen the film Pollyanna, it's, a, it's about a, a young girl who's like really optimistic. So he's talking about, he's talking about essentially like Europeans are very pessimistic and oh, we're all fucked. And then yeah. the American response to that is childish optimism. That's what you're trying to say. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what he's just fucked it. Fucked it. <laughs> he's just fucked it. Yeah. We'll say that. Present <laughs> 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 rebuttal. This film shows the former all through the movie. Even the hopefulness of the only baby to be born in years is diluted and terribly understated. There is just no development of that aspect of the film. 
it is as believable as the mechanical baby. I was tempted to go into another theatre in the middle of the movie. Any movie. I hope you enjoy it, because otherwise you will feel you've wasted two hours and nine dollars. Okay, so let's sum up what were his points. There's no plot. Michael Caine is wasted. Hmm. The baby is insignificant. (laughs) I feel like that's that's the the three he was getting at. So first of all, there's no plot is objectively false. (laughs) There's a narrative that it completes from start to finish about the child and the protagonist needing to protect this child because it's the saviour of humanity. Yeah. Very confused as to how you say there isn't a plot. It's not It's not even like it's character-driven. Where it's, it's, I know what you mean, yeah. There are meaningful character conversations that happen throughout the film, but things move, things progress, yeah. things happen, and things react to other things. Yeah. So I'm very confused on that point. Yeah. Maybe maybe they, they said it wasn't entertaining. I mean, maybe they didn't find it entertaining. That's, well, yeah, they just said it was boring. Get. With a poor storyline and too much swearing. Mm. It's weird because it, re- it, things like this come down to like what you want mm. from a movie, right? So yeah. like this guy probably wants something that's more plot heavy, like something like Inception or something. Do you know what I mean? Something that relies on its plot. Whereas it's, it's difficult to argue against that because like that's obviously just not your thing. Like this movie has a plot. It doesn't not have a plot. It's just not got a plot that's very elaborate. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? It doesn't need to because it's not the film. Yeah. Um, you know, you see the film through Theo's eyes. It's through his perspective watching it. It's more a film about, like we said earlier, about feeling the the moment with them, being in the moment with them, rather than showing some sort of clever, witty plot, if that makes sense. Mm, um, yeah. I think Michael Caine's great in it as well. He, um, he really provides, like, some of the film's only moments of brevity. So, like, he, he's hilarious when he's in it. The whole, oh, pull my finger gag funny and like i think the film really needs those moments too because otherwise you would just get bogged down in the shit like heaviness and like grit and just pessimism of it all um i think it he he does bits to to balance it out which is really nice no i agree with that because i think i actually found this a really depressing watch rewatching it i i forgot how fucking depressing it is Mm. um so i'm glad it has those moments and michael kane's in it because it it allows you to be like, oh, okay, like, and also it allows you to be vulnerable to when people are killed or, or you know, tragic things happen. It pulls you in more because now it's like you've you're more attached to the character, right? He's giving you something. He's made you laugh, so you're like, oh, I don't want Michael Caine to to die. And also, he's a kind fellow in the guy, you know, you, in the, in the film, and you feel you understand why Theo loves this man. Mm. Um, do you know what I'm saying? So you need that and you definitely need those moments because I think if it was constant it might be a bit much or it it would take away the power from the scenes that really need it do you know what I'm saying like the scenes that take you on this tense like the bit when the car on fire rolls through because you you, you, that's immediately after a moment a really sweet moment Mm. in the whole car where everyone's laughing having a good time to then Possibly one of the worst moments, of moments the film? in the movie. Definitely. Definitely. Um, and the iconic moment in yeah, the film. Of this is the scene everyone remembers, mm. I think. Especially because the, the long takes absolutely insane how they, they phenomenal. choreograph that. Phenomenal. And I definitely agree with your point that like it actually 
does well to balance the deaths. So all of the deaths, or the vast majority of the deaths that occur in the movie do feel meaningful. Like you, you are impacted by them because they aren't just background characters. Like you're almost always given a little bit of something by that character before they die. Yeah. So that when they do die, there's there's a tangible loss because they aren't just almost like an NPC where you're like, oh, well, this guy's just... It's not meaningless. It's yeah. not just one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like their actions are always in some way they will help the protagonist or further the, the, the cause. Yeah. And so when it does happen, you, you feel the the sense of loss as well as the characters do. 100%. Mm. And I think as well, like, Julianne Moore is only in the movie for, like, nothing. Yeah. And, but she feels like such a character yes. already. And that's from, like, a couple of lines. Yeah. And that's another thing we'll talk about. The fucking exposition in this movie is... It's a masterclass. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. In exposition. It really is. It really is. It. it I, I mean, I actually <laughs> ended up watching this twice in one day. And every time I was... Both times I found... It, I actually enjoyed it. It wasn't... It wasn't difficult. Like just sometimes you watch a movie and you're like, I have to watch it again. It, even if you love it, it's like you know you just watch the movie. You're like whereas like, I found it even like I don't know even more enjoyable in a weird way because I was looking at different things yeah. or um, I was noticing how smart the exposition is mm. because you're just chucked into this world and no one no one really goes we got to do this to do that. It's always a conversation yep. or. It's bringing out character. All the dialogue always brings reveals character. Like one of the scenes I really like is the bit on the bus with Julian Moore and mm. um, Clive Owen, when you sort of get the first inkling of what happened to them with yep. their child, and they never say it, but you you kind of like you, he you have his eyes. I can't look at you. Like it's great dialogue. Like, I don't know. He just says so that line alone. Boom. Mm. Something's they've had a kid. Something's happened. Yes. Just in that one yeah. line, like. It's phenomenal. The dialogue, the exposition, the fact that the opening scene—you've—I mean, there's no, there's no dialogue. Mm. It's just people watching through the media screen, which is how we, you know, we get our information, and then an attack happens. Like, and you're immediately boom in. Title comes up of the movie. Like, it's a great opening. Yeah. Another thing that people, an iconic thing that people yeah. always bring up. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, do, do you agree with the exposition? So oh yeah, definitely. Like, I, I don't think I've ever seen a film do exposition better than this film has mm. genuinely like even for what it has to do in terms of the world it has to yeah, set up definitely like... definitely like everything feels so real um and so connected and it feels like a, a reality that you could live in yes um and like everything almost everything in this film happens for a reason whether it's exposition based or not so there's a bit where they're going to the farm and as they arrive at the farm, there's there's a tiny comment made by one of the characters and he's like, leave the car there. It needs a jump start. And when they leave, the car won't start. Oh, yeah. Because it needs to be jump started. And I was like, I remember like hearing that line and being like, oh my God, that's... Like, just, just even the like the minutia of those little details, it, like, it blows my mind every time I watch it because you, you're always finding like different different things that happen and it's so clever and it doesn't... Things that need to be explained to you through just direct yeah no i agree yeah and there's there's it's such a watertight script because Mm. there's things in it that don't need to be called back to yet they are you're Mm. like fuck like even just the kid being named dylan at the end yeah like it's a great moment or there's there's loads of little things there's a bit where they're doing the backstory for theo and he picks up a uh, photo of 
Dylan, uh, and he goes, "Oh, he has Theo's eyes." Yeah. And I'm like, "God, so good." From that scene, what I like with the callbacks is when Theo's leaving, you hear um, Dreadlock's lady say, mm. "Everything happens for a, for a reason. reason." And then in like the next scene, when Michael Caine's killed. Uh, Theo turns to that lady and goes, "Tell me what the fucking reason, reason was, was for that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, "Oh, it's for a higher purpose." It's like, oh, "Fuck off, get in the car." <laughs> it's so good. Shit, I didn't even think about that. No, until you guys just said that. Yeah, like that's what I mean. It's like, yeah, maybe you're not getting this elaborate plot, but there's so many little details or character things that are just planted everywhere. There's nothing in the film that I question the the sensibility of. There's nothing in, in the film where it, there's there's been a moment and I'm like. I don't understand why that happened. Mm. Or actually, why did the character do this? Like everything is makes perfect sense yep. because it's either already been established or it has a reference that ties it in to, to the wider film. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Every single character, whether they're in the screen for five seconds, you know who they are. It's so weird, mm. but it's so well done. Even if that's just through their costumes or through the way they speak, or well, even the showing of the photographs. Like he yes, he yes. set up Michael Caine's character and his wife with almost no dialogue, yep. purely through like just the camera going through a bunch of photographs and newspaper clippings. Yep. Like what other film do you know that does that, executes it that well? Yeah. Like there are plenty of other films that would have had a whole character like dialogue heavy. Mm-hmm. Like conversation about that character and what he does, but it was it was literally ten seconds on screen. Here are some photos. Here are some newspaper titles. This is this is all you need to know. And from there, everything that Michael Caine's character does makes sense in that context. Yeah. Like you're not questioning why he does anything or why he's saying anything, because you've already kind of absorbed that information. Hundred mm. yeah. percent. That's what cinema is uh, all about. Though, mm. It's shown visually, and it's like. Oh, that's a really good point. Like when they show the the photos and stuff, because it really sets the design of the home. That you everything from the production. It's like everything, every part of film is being utilized at its maximum in this movie to tell the story. Yeah, even the sound design I think is incredible. In yes, film. yes. Like you're really in. Like you're hearing gunshots constantly in the background, mm. or like there's just. There's so much going on, like a bit, the, the layer edit for that must have been insane. But um, but yeah, no, uh, it's like David Fincher. He says that you can learn uh, so much about someone by just looking in their fridge. So if you watch most David Fincher movies, he pretty much has a shot every time of the character's fridge and what food they eat. It says a lot about mm. who they are, and I think that's so true. And I think that's what I liked about this is like just showing items around their house. Yeah, tells you everything you need to know about this person. Yeah. And that, again, like, it's appreciating other people's jobs on a film set, like the production. It's, you know, it's it's using every single tool it has to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it's an absolutely phenomenal movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what I like about the that same shot of all the pictures is the last one that it holds on with the news article about the photographer yes. wife. Yep. Because nobody's dialogue includes a reason as to why she doesn't talk, why she's just staring out at nothing. And that's the only thing that tells you why she is like she is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, which I, and then of course I get that explains why further on why Michael Caine kills her because he's not going to let her get into another position like that. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think it it lets the viewer make the connections for themselves. 
And that's why I always find it an entertaining watch, even though it is really depressing and like really kind of heavy to to have to sit through. There, are, you have to do the work doesn't to watch this like movie. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't treat you like an idiot at all. Um, and it lays out all these little clues for you to to find and go through, and you you have to work to to watch the film and understand it properly. But every time you do so, you come up with something new or a new appreciation of it, which 100%. is why why I really love it. Oh, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, even like the the example, like the sort of small the what a section of the villains, like Chuatu Ejiofor and Charlie Hunnam. Mm. Charlie Hunnam, I know he's mostly there like, sometimes for comic relief, but you know, you, you you get a sense of who he is even just from the little interactions he has. You can tell he's a bit insecure, like what he says about his breath smells. Yeah. You know what I mean, sort of thing. And he's like, well, no, it doesn't that sort of thing. Um, and the bit with Chuatu Ejiofor at the end when he says, oh, "I had a sister once," well, like. There's just it's just these little zingers mm. of dialogue that like oh like tells you everything you need to know like and it makes like for me I'm like dialogue is 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 way more powerful when there's not much said and when said, there's that yeah. one line that just boom like yeah and like, the fact that it's, I had a sister and it yes. stops it's like well, what happened yeah. what happened to her what happened? Like, exactly yes is she not here anymore no like, exactly how how was she part of the the whole die-off of young people, like, yeah, it opens up so so many more possibilities. But that's the fucking. But that's, that's so good about it. Like yeah. now we're having this conversation of, yeah, what did happen to sister? Like, the, you know, you don't need to know backstory all the time. Like, character isn't backstory. It's it's like I've said a million times on this podcast. It's habitual action. It's what they do and the decisions they make and lines like that feel they feel natural. Like, why he's not going to sit there and go. To these guys, middle gunfight. Oh, I had a sister, and she died, and this is the reason why. It's just like I had a sister. Like he's not saying it for them. He's thinking about. He's it's for him. It's really being. Oh, it's just fucking yeah. great. What I like is that the <laughs> character's name is Luke, and my name is Luke, and he had a sister, and I have a sister, <laughs> and then I can put myself you can in relate. those shoes. Yeah. Like, oh, I can relate to you. Closest exactly. thing to an antagonist. <laughs> exactly. So this next one is one out of ten from Bernstein Six. Bernstein Six. Bernstein Six. <laughs> this movie is retarded. Problematic oh, one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the trailer is by far the best part. Julianne Moore dies in the first four minutes. The movie is about a world where women are infertile. They never explain why the women are infertile. Nor do the really explore possibilities, which would have been very interesting. There is a young black girl who gets pregnant. Great. Why does she get pregnant? Who knows? How does she get pregnant? No explanation. What is her relationship to the rest of the characters in this movie? I don't know. I have a broken thumb and don't feel like typing about this retarded movie, but it sucked and was a waste of my $10. Don't see it. Okay. Yeah, Charlie is visibly seething right now. (laughs) So, (laughs) off you go, Charlie. That's not the story that they're telling. The story is, get this lady to the boat who's pregnant. You don't need to know that stuff. It doesn't add anything else to the story. It's the same thing that we keep getting on the podcast of law all the time. I don't know where people's obsession with law is. I am a little bit concerned that I'm going to say this. I'm going to get. I'm going to say this. Oh, okay. I'm, okay. I'm, yeah, I'm a bit concerned that I like anime. Don't get me wrong. 
But wait, I wait, wait, think... wait, wait, wait. Oh, Anime? You're going to get there. Gonna oh, get there. right. Yeah, you're going to bring up this point again. But I do think it has created something dangerous in that people expect to have... Because they're so used to having episodes of anime where they get training and all this world building and explanation. I think people expect that from their movies as well now. Like that's that's what they seem to want, and I'm, I don't I don't understand. That's not that doesn't make a good story. Like you can have it; it's fun, it's nice to add. You can do it. There's clever ways you can do it. It doesn't necessarily have to have people explaining things all the time. But to me, this movie doesn't require that. That's not the story. It doesn't need to have all this explanation. And how you know we're gonna have to sit there and listen to it via dialogue anyway. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's just it doesn't. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't add any extra value. But then it's tough for me to say because obviously it does for this person. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it's what really I love about this point because this is like the second time you brought it up. Yeah, you, you call out anime instead of just any TV show. Sure. Like the thing that okay, the, yeah, the maybe problem should... you have mm. seems to be more about TV comparing the two and a half hour film mm. to a hour an episode eight to 13 episodes season of a show no i like I, the thing is, is like i like anime and i'm not it's not me dissing anime it's i think it's a combination of a bit of everything it's the internet you know like fandom do you know what i mean people can become obsessed with the worlds that they exist in and want to you know <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah uh, obviously i'm a yeah big fan of that apart from the new one uh, anyway uh, <laughs> um, uh, segue <laughs> anyway um, but yeah no I just uh, I mean look I like we all like when there's great world building don't get me wrong but I just it's, it's not necessarily that's not the story that Alfonso Cuaron wanted to tell and you know you're either in or you're out and it's you know this guy's out so I don't know but would you agree with any of the points I'm saying I don't think I don't think what I'm saying is too would you agree it's, that it's anime's fault not anime he's making <laughs> yes. it I do think it's, you know what I mean? Death to anime. No. Death to anime. <laughs> I understand and I agree that it is very subjective. I can mm. I can get why this person feels not satisfied with having certain elements explained to them. Because maybe that's what they were looking for yeah. in the film. In terms of plot. But also I, I do think it, like you said, it comes down to like the value proposition. Mm. Does it really add more to the film if you know how this child was conceived or if you know what caused infertility because essentially what that becomes then is is like a higher concept when mm. the whole point of the film is that it's it's not a very high concept at all, actually. It's something has happened to the world and something's gone horribly wrong and this is these are the consequences, this is the fallout, this is what happens. And so I think when you give it more than it needs to be given, you almost distract from that. And I don't think the film would feel as grounded and as gritty, and I don't think it would match up with the way it's shot at all if you were to have these higher concepts going on of, oh, well, you know, there was a virus or it was a plague or, you know, pollution. Because then you distract from that meaning by by giving the audience something else to think about when when it's clearly not what Quaron wanted to convey. Yeah. yeah, and I feel Why like some of those questions that they ask are kind of explained anyway. Like um, they talk about the flu epidemic, mm. and yeah. you know, how did she get pregnant? She fucked. Yeah, mm. nobody thought that they could get pregnant, so nobody used protection. There you go. There's one of your yeah. several questions yeah, answered. Definitely, because it's not like the film doesn't press for those answers too. Like it, it does when when Theo is asking her, like, "Well, he's he's the father," and she's like, "Fuck knows." Mm. 
Like, mm. does it does it even matter? The the child is really all that matters in in the narrative of things. Yeah. Like, who does it matter who fathered it? Exactly. No. It makes it more interesting, like right now, we're now talking about what happened. Like, isn't that more interesting to, to theorize? How did we get there? Mm. Like, questioning. You know, it leaves you with thoughts outside of the movie. So. It's not not everything's tied up in a little bow for you to. Do you know what I mean like and not think about it ever again? Sometimes mm. I like when there's things open minded because you can put your own imagination into it. And sometimes because no matter what people come up with, sometimes you know it's not going to be as exciting as what your imagination comes up with. And in that way, it can be whatever you want it to be. And I think that's what you know you get problems in the internet now mm. where everyone you know has what they want from a Star Wars film. Bo- it's, Boomer it's, Charlie <laughs> coming through. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yeah. <laughs> Okay, so this is going to be the last review. It is a half-star review from Kylie. This movie is where everything beautiful about the Children of Men book goes to die a horrible death. I have never seen so many pointless plot changes in one movie. Doesn't even remotely resemble the source material and is definitely for the worst. If I wasn't required to watch it for a class... I would have turned it off 22 minutes into the movie. I mean, you're looking at me because I've read the yeah, opening yeah, extract. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll be honest, it's been a long time since I've read the book. But I think it's a bit redundant to be annoyed at a film for being an adaptation. Unnecessary adaptation, I understand. But the they they don't point to any specific elements that they didn't like. Nope, just no, they're just pointless, just pointless plot, plot changes. changes mm. Which I think if you're watching a film version of a book, you you have to come to expect some changes to fit yeah, the yeah. medium, right? Yeah. Well, not, the the other reason I've included this is because it's not the first time people have gone, ah, oh, the book's better. Yeah. And then I, I was kind of expecting Charlie to do his usual, you've got to expect changes from a film. It's adapted because it's visual medium. It's... You don't have the time. Exactly. Books have the time to mm. go on about all this stuff, you know, and talk about and describe things and have all these little things. You don't In a film, you don't have enough time to do that. And frankly, you wouldn't really want it to be because it'd be mm. boring sitting there having this, this stuff explained. I remember before on the podcast, we had someone complain that there wasn't a line from... Uh, in Lord of the Rings and it was like Pippin or something did something that was you didn't need the book is mm. no, it's like how, several <laughs> several hundred pages long yeah exactly how could you fit it fit it all in yeah uh, exactly um, but yeah no sometimes to me I think you know I do, th- I do think I do think saying you know the book is better and sometimes you know that is obviously that is valid but sometimes I do think it comes across like you read we get it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you got books, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get it, you know. But I mean, I can't I can't really use that for this point. I haven't read it, so I don't know. They might be right. Um and it might be must be difficult when you're very excited for something and you want it to be, you know, exactly the same or whatever, you want to see it. So it's tough because like I constantly have a debates with my friends all the time about adapting and stuff. Uh like for example, Sin City. I have a friend who doesn't like Sin City because it's exactly a copy of the comic. Um, whereas I like Sin City. Although I do agree with the person's points in that what's the point of adapting it, the material, if you're just going to copy it anyway, if it's already there. So why would you need to see it? Do you know what I'm saying? So I understand that to an extent. It yeah. depends what the medium is. Like for comics, because you're already, you're seeing it as well. For like Science and City. If it's a book, I do kind of get, you want to see it. I, I get that. I, um, kind of, I kind of, you could make the argument that it'd be a bit like audiobooks. Yeah. Because it's, it's the same 
it, it's literally just reading the book to you. Yeah. But especially because an audiobook can take you, let's say, 10 hours. Mm. Reading the book on its own could take you 10 days. And then watching the film could take you two hours. Yeah. So, yes, it could just be a direct adaption, but it makes it more consumable. Mm. So I feel that could be a very good argument to, yeah, the adaption not is, isn't as good, but it meant that you were able to absorb at least some of The Lord of the Rings in, what is it, like six or seven hours? Yeah, I see Instead mean, yeah, of reading, the like, whole thing. That is so, true. so many pages. But again, that's, that's, again, that's, that's still, it's still adapted, you know, they yeah. haven't gone... They haven't done it, whereas Sin City is literally pretty much... True. Okay, so with the saying, Sin City so, version, then... Yeah, yeah. I mean, even take... Sin City changes things up like, yeah. a little bit um, because it intertwines d- different books together. But yeah, I just feel like... I d- also, like I think sometimes it's more interesting to have uh, someone's perspective on, on that book and see mm. what they can do with it and if they could elevate it. Because sometimes that's been the case. Like The Godfather is a prime example of a book that's not as good as the movie. But anyway. What are your thoughts? I, I just read... Oh. <laughs> you just read it. Yeah. You just, like, <laughs> I just read the book. Download, oh, wow. just downloaded the book. <laughs> I just read the um, the, the overarching narrative. Okay. And um, it, it, yeah, it's pretty different. Oh, okay. Oh, it's pretty different. Really? How yes. how radically? I'd say most things. Interesting. I'm not the know. same. But I I feel like. They're almost two different things. Like, yeah, like they're it. almost two different versions of the same s- story yeah. or the same concept. I mean, the opening extract is very similar. Okay. Like the opening bit is very, very like the way it sets up the story. It's it's got the same efficiency that the movie has in terms of the last person to be born and X Y Z has now died, and immediately you know something is wrong. Yeah. I feel like it carries that vein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, lots of changes. Lots. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. But like Luke said, it's uh, now you've got two great things. Yeah. Yeah, so you get the same story, essentially. I was going to ask you guys, for people that like this movie, do you have any films that you think are similar or people, you know, for like this dystopian type of movie? Oh, it's like a double bill Essentially, question. yeah, yeah. It's a very depressing double bill, though, I guess. <laughs> it's got... I actually want to go something different maybe the road the road yeah i haven't actually seen the road that would be the most depressing (laughs) thing four hours or whatever it is (laughs) yeah Yeah, probably the road that's a good choice i think okay will smith's i am legend (gasps) there you go yeah another another dystopian future another less children knocking around but instead of just death uh weird zombie not zombies Zombie, not zombies. Well, yeah, because I don't think they are zombies. They're like anti-cancer patients. <laughs> anti-cancer patients. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's, that's what it is. Yes. Right? It's like it's developed so that they can't, they, it kills cancer, but it fucked up a little bit, I think. I can't really yeah, remember. Yeah, no, no, no. That yeah. sounds about right. Zombie, not zombies. <laughs> Just the way you phrase it is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. uh, I feel like, actually, now thinking about it, this would actually probably be a good double bill, but again, very depressing. Uh. Uh, Snowpiercer. <gasps> oh man, I fucking love Snowpiercer. And I think they got some similar themes, um, similar feel. Mm. You know, almost. Um, I think the concept in in and of itself is quite along the same vein. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, so definitely, when Theo goes to visit his cousin, you really see like the class difference. Mm. I think that would definitely highlight it. Definitely. For a double bill. It's interesting how they chose to include that, and and the fact that. 
this it was a message of the film like even though the world's gone to shit people still fry the class yeah the class system is still pervasive mm. i think it was very very interesting to because in the in the book it also is the same mm. what i really like about that bit is you see a zebra and a camel yes just, just in britain just walking around like being led like a normal horse it's just hey this is britain but here's a zebra and a camel no refugees but we will take that camel <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah <laughs> like that, that's way worse <laughs> yeah, yeah. okay so we've kind of broke it down we've we've explained why it is super awful really bad film terrible awful so film. bad don't know why i chose it guys honestly <laughs> <laughs> so for those at home who've listened and now need a, a, a slightly more concise version of your opinions uh, an easily digestible recommendation review. What would you give? Is there a word count? Is there a sentence count? Just how you feel. However you feel, and not too long. <laughs> <laughs> very depressed, but very worth it. It's worth the sadness that it puts you through. <laughs> I think you have to sacrifice some emotional labour <laughs> in order to get the the message and the meaning out of it. Yeah, no, I uh, I really like this film. I just think it's... I, I was worried that... Do you know when you watch a film and you haven't seen it in a while and you yeah. come back to it like, oh, is it, is it good as I remembered? And yeah, I think it's still just as good. I think it's... Again, I think it's even more relevant kind of now, almost. It's actually, yeah, it's very, one of those scary <laughs> films that you're like, how did you get so much right? Yeah, it is one of those. And also, it's just... I find it very, very entertaining. It's non-stop. Like, there's constantly things happening, you know? Mm. It's never... It's never boring, in my opinion. And even when there is times to breathe, it's quite fun. But it's got, it's still got this level of sort of. There's like even when you're laughing, there's this levity in the room. Like you, you feel the events that have happened have really affected everyone. Like as a weight, you know. And I just think that holds throughout, and you're so engrossed in that the mm. whole time. You, you, and I don't know if that's through the construction of the movie, the, the camera work, or or the writing but you just feel that you're there with them in the trenches almost you're there do you know what i'm saying yeah yeah it's, i just think it's a great movie and i think if you like dystopian movies sci-fi concepts oh uh, it's definitely a must watch if you're into dystopia one 100%. of the 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 best well executed dystopias ever i agree and they do it very cinematically mm. How about you, Luke? How do you feel? This is, I don't actually know, ladies and gentlemen, what Luke thinks of this movie. Um, he's not told me. But you, I've you had a faint know. idea. I never know. You never know. I don't But I get, an idea, I get an idea. I get an idea. Whereas uh, today I have no idea. So mm. I'm very. Uh, oh, fair enough. Drum roll, please. Yes. <laughs> it was good. It was a good film. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy it. I'm good, lad. Yeah, I've already kind of. I, I thought I'd given it away, to be honest with you, because it is. Yeah, it, it does. It, it does speak to that very pessimistic part of me that's like hey the future's <laughs> fucked especially because this is set in seven years so this could literally it could be literally the, yeah. yeah what we got we got the coronavirus and we've got brexit <laughs> so we have the quote-unquote flu epidemic and brexit the instruments are there so it's not that far away potentially like this could be a thing that happens also you know we've mentioned it so many so many good one takes like I love me some one takes, mm. and and this does it in in a slightly different way because it is it's not one long continuous thing. It's got those cuts, but it helps because it helps like with scope, distance, having separation from other people, so you can grow fonder to certain people. If that makes any sense, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah it's, 
but yeah, yeah, I just yeah. So I liked the way it was shot. That bit in the the car where they're driving and then oh. the car rolls down. Um, I think Corridor Crew did an episode about that and like broke it down. It's like a crane that was going around in the car. So when it was like going to the passenger side, the person in the passenger seat had to like duck back and like lie down oh. so that the camera could go over them. And it's just like, what the... But then when it's coming back, they have to, like, get up with it so that when the camera does, like, the front shot, everyone's still sat normally, pretending <laughs> nothing Same. happened. And it's like, the fuck? So, yeah. A really good camera technical work. I do like the dystopian story. It's very believable, very possible. I agree that it is plot over character, but it doesn't sacrifice the characters. Yes, I yes. agree. Yeah. It's like, it is an A to B plot, but... In this time, everything's set up with the little callbacks and stuff, so you can understand everything. Like you, just to reiterate what you said earlier, no um, one's cabin fodder sort of thing. Everyone's a no. person. Yeah, yeah. I'd say apart from dreadlocks, yeah, yeah, biker dude. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's a bad guy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> he's very much a bad guy. <laughs> Gets hit with a car door twice <laughs> and then just shot to shit. Good times. But yeah, yeah that, those I, are my thoughts. I think if, if you want a masterclass in exposition, oh, definitely. this film is a must. It's so efficient with what it does. Like okay. There is not a single second of screen time that it wastes on anything. Hmm. Like Every single second is devoted to, to building something, whether it be character or background or plot. There is always something going on. Hmm. Which is why I was very confused when people were like, it's boring. Yeah, it's like, there's so much. <laughs> so much happening. It's non-stop. Yeah. But yeah. the tension's But you know, some people want the law and some people want direct adaptions to the books. So yeah, that's true. I mean, can't we please can't, everyone. Yeah, we each can't your own, each your own, yeah. Exactly. Ether, thank you so much for being on. No worries. This was the first time I watched this film, so it's been a pleasure to watch the film and then talk about it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. Charlie, for those at home who want to interact with us, how could they do that? They can find us on Twitter at Faith Film is Awful. They can find us on Instagram, your favorite film is awful. Facebook, your favorite film is awful. And YouTube, your favorite film is awful. So check yourself before you wreck yourself. And uh, <laughs> Luke's looking at me because he doesn't want me to say the rest of it. Got told off last time. And um, please comment and, and comment subscribe. And subscribe yes. uh, but yeah, interact with us. We'll interact with you. Send us a message. Do. We'll reply or at the very least like it. You know, we like audience feedback. And if you are enjoying the show, please share it with your friends. Listener, thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Take care. Goodbye. The end.